For August 26, 2019, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 582, The Big Lie of Full House. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your f- smart, funny friends from the internet. I, n- I-, I nearly said your fart-sunny friends from the <laughs> internet. That too. That too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Matt Rather. That's Pete Fenzel. Hey, Pete. Hey, Matt. And just farting and enjoying the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and-, <laughs> and Mark Lee. Hey, Mark. Oh, I'm so sleepy, Matt. Oh, so tired. Well, I am too. That's what I'm saying. Like the, uh, I must be. I mean, well, a couple things. I must be because I'm slurring my words and stumbling over my speech more even than usual. I mean, goodness knows I've said that phrase almost 600 times. I should have it down by now. Uh, a that. B. We just spent a whole weekend with each other, guys, and uh, you're, we partied late into the night, and it's, uh, I, I, just can't believe, uh, I just can't believe we can rage like that. I can't believe we can stay up so late to see the sunrise uh, from the other side of the day again. That was, that was epic, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Indeed. And uh, so let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit. We're we're aging. We're aging, gentlemen. Um, one one of the three predicates of that phrase may not be true, but the uh, but we're aging, and uh, you know it's a little hard to to fall asleep these days. And I feel like it's a trendy thing to to do is to talk about sleep and to talk about uh, you know either from a number of perspectives, either a kind of perverse pride in how much you're not getting because you're hashtag crushing it, or else uh, from a kind of virtue signaling and superiority perspective of like you know sleep is is really important for you it's important psychologically and neurologically it's important you know um so uh let's let's talk a little bit about about the the concept of of sleep um which is all it is a concept because i never managed to do it pretty well and i know someone else uh who probably isn't sleeping all that much that's mark hey mark uh how is it having an infant son i'm actually sleeping okay it's the infant son that i'm uh, that is the cause of consternation for how much he's sleeping. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's okay overall. Um, so this is welcome to the overthinking of parenting podcast where we subject, um, our children to a level of scrutiny. They definitely deserve, um, for those of you who aren't parents, I guess I'm going to ask you to bear with me on this um, because you might have heard this from your sleepless parent friends, or you might be just so alienated um, from this type of conversation that you're um, you're about to hit that skip button on your podcast and move on to the next episode. But don't do that. Don't wait. I promise you will make this interesting. Um, so uh, you mentioned virtue signaling, Matt. Mm. Um, there's a lot of that going on. And kind of like keeping up with the Joneses and sizing up uh, in the world of parenting and this idea of quote unquote sleep training and how are you sleep training your kid or are you sleep training your kid? Um, Matt or Pete, are, do I even like know what those two words mean together? Yeah, sleep yeah. training is when you wake your kid up in the middle of the night and make him do push ups, right? <laughs> uh, it, it, that's that is a school of thought, <laughs> not the one that we practice, but Matt rather, what, what does sleep training mean to you? Well, sleep, sleep training is when you let the kid cry it out, isn't it? More or less. Yeah. The idea is like to, uh, like kind of the baby left 
to his or her own devices is going to wind up waking up every three or four hours or so um, for a variety of reasons. Because he's lonely, because she's hungry, because she's sleepy, <laughs> because um, she turned over in, in her bed, um, things like that. And he exists the, in the world and can't comprehend the vastness and terror of that circumstance. Of all, above all things, that. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the parent's uh, reflex is to pick up the baby, calm the baby, put them back to sleep, um, and then repeat again in three hours. Well, what happens then is that the, the, the parent is super tired. Um, and the child doesn't quote unquote learn how to go to sleep. The child needs to be trained in these things. And the way to train the child is to get them to cry and then realize that, um, mom and dad aren't coming to soothe the, uh, soothe him or her. And they need to just figure out how to put themselves to sleep. Self soothing is the term of art so, Mark, in this I, field. I, uh, I, I imagine like most things having to do with parenting uh, and especially things that are sort of traditionally mother's work in the, you know, the kind of gendered uh, household economy of child rearing, right? Like I imagine that this is not controversial at all. Uh, which well, that idea of getting the child? Yeah, first. I imagine everyone is on board with the idea of sleep training and just letting the kid no. cry it out, right? I think the sarcastic Ouroboros just ate its own tail, Matt. I don't, none of us could tell what you really meant by saying that. Uh, in a word, no. But then this also becomes a bit of this sort of like for those who have bought into the idea. Uh, it becomes a, a competition keeping up the Joneses. You could say virtue signaling to a certain – no, virtue signaling is acting on the other side. Keeping up the Joneses would be like how well and how amazing your child is because you did the sleep training, because you read the books, and like you're that disciplined to the craft mm. of, of, of sleep training. The virtue signaling, I think, comes from the other side of those who do not buy into sleep training, who think that um, basically you're traumatizing your child. Mm. Because you're letting uh, you're letting him cry it out. Uh, it's just like because uh, and it is a little bit traumatizing, really, for the parent because you, you, going through this process, you hear the kid scream his head off like in agony, and it's a very difficult thing to go through. And then it stops, and then it's amazing. Um, but the days where um, the screaming occurs are, are not so fun. Um, and yeah, there's a certain degree of virtue signaling of like, oh, you know, like I, I don't I don't buy into that. Mm. Um, I, I you know I'm. Uh, I don't want to traumatize my kid. You, why are you traumatizing your kid being the subtext of that? So, like, you know, to, to zoom this out of the narrow confines of parenting, right, um, the fascinating thing about this is that until uh, I had a, a kid, uh, very much going to sleep was something that I took for granted. It was not something that I had to give much thought to at all. And then um, in the manner of months became something that the entire household was obsessing and to some degree arguing over um so uh it's not something you take for granted so it seems <laughs> it is quite vital it is uh of great concern to uh people of all different ages as also i, I discovered as well um it's, it's not just infants who have trouble going to sleep it's uh older children and adults as well too so yeah um it sleeping it's it, so, it, it is something to scrutinize quite a bit interesting so mark from a cultural perspective when you see a depiction of a family where the parents are capable of soothing and and calming the children to such a degree that they immediately fall into a precisely eight hour long, uh, deep and dreamless sleep. Um, do you find that 
comforting in the sense that it's escapism from the difficulty of your reality? Or do you find it challenging because it sets false expectations for what parenting is actually like? Or is it both or neither? Like, like, cause that narrative is certainly out there and I could see both it being a boon and being a problem uh, when you're actually trying to deal with that reality that's on the ground. Like I'm thinking about like uncle Jesse singing to little Michelle, right? Like is uncle Jesse singing to little Michelle a comfort because it shows that anybody because it shows a situation that is uh, easier than yours <laughs> or is it like a stressor because it's not mirroring back to you the feelings that are commensurate with your experience and kind of invalidating your own experience of being a parent? It's both. OK, it, it starts out as being something inspiring something to aspire to. It then becomes something extremely frustrating when you're actively trying and feel like it's within, within reach and you can't get it. And then once you come to the other side, then you join um, uh, the, the, yeah, the smug sense of satisfaction that you have joined up with that part of the mainstream culture. <laughs> with Uncle Jesse, you, you, yeah. you're on the same team as Uncle yeah. Jesse now, so that means you won't really be making it. <laughs> it's funny that you, you went to that because I feel like the predominant uh, portrayal and culture of putting children to sleep is the struggle. Like the yeah. impossible nature of it, um, and I, here, here's um, maybe this uh, is is particularly telling about um, how much I knew or didn't know about parenting going into this. I wasn't really didn't know the sleep training was a thing until shortly before the the child came, and um, the notion that at like roughly four or five six months of age, the child could sleep ten, eleven, twelve hours straight had not occurred to me. I just thought that, you know, for a you know, a period much longer than six months, maybe upwards of a year, like there would just be, um, you know, that continuity of sleep was just not achievable. And so, like, I'm thinking of, you know, in whatever media you, you want to choose, like, you know, the, the bedraggled, sleepless, um, nearly incoherent parents um, bumbling their way through, new parents bumbling their way through life was just how things were going to be for like a year plus or so. Um, it, it, do you guys know what I'm talking about with this? Like, you've seen this in movies and TV, right? Yeah, like when Dom Toretto has his baby, he just looks like a total mess, right? Doesn't he? I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> no, you guys, you're, you're Fast and Furious stuff. Like, you, you, you could have told me that and insisted that that wasn't, like, Fast Five or something like that, and I would have believed you. No, it's not the no, case. No, no. Dom Toretto's child does nothing quite so normal as, like, be fussy. It instead becomes captured by international crypto terrorists. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a different situation. But I know what you're talking about. Like, I'm that, must to be really, that must be really bad for his sleep routine. I know. You know it doesn't get the naps, and then that really sleep. sets things up for failure later on. Exactly. It's like it's Charlize Theron's dreadlocks really interfere with her lullaby game. Uh, <laughs> do you sing lullabies? To, is, that, is that a thing? Is lullaby culture part of, uh, part of kind of parental sleep uh, virtue signaling? Or I guess, what would I call it? Like uh, the various sorts of sleep morality plays that get dramatized in interparental media. Do, does lullabying have a role in that anymore? Because I feel like a lot of what you're talking about, the success or failure thereof, involves singing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll pose that question, but I also should leave open your question, which is, has Matt thought of any good examples of parents in pop culture who are attempting to have their young babies sleeping, uh, but failing? Well, it's not that they're failing, right? Look, the, the very paradigm is causing a problem here, right? They are, they are being young parents. They are in the situation. The reality is upon them and we are watching it. And it is perhaps even worse than what you might expect from and a sort of general expected value of reality of having a baby. 
I, I want to hear Matt wait on this, and then I'll come back to the other yeah. thing because that's a whole other uh, kettle of fish there. Well, yeah, I mean, my my experience with this is is you know with my friends' kids, some of whom are some of whom are older, and I know that like you know waking up in the night does not waking up in the night does not stop being a thing and sort of how you deal with it is, is, you know, um, how you deal with it is, is sort of crucial and that you deal with it consistently, uh, is sort of crucial, right? Because it goes to a sense of, of safety and predictability that you try to instill in kids so that they have that, they have that sense of safety and predictability as a resource, uh, when they live, you know, when they live their life and can sort of call upon it in, in times of difficulty, um, to get themselves to sleep. Uh, I, you know, I have a terrible time sleeping (laughs) if you can't, uh, if you can't do it. And I've sort of started relating to myself, um, for the purposes of falling asleep. I've started relating to myself as a, as a, like as a little child, as a baby and like, uh, you know, trying to use the tools of, of let's say like conditioning, you know, to, um, to help myself in, you know, in the process of, of going to sleep and, and staying asleep and, uh, you know, with routines and things like this. And I mean, I think a a lullaby, like, you know, the, the, the big lie of full house, right. The, the, you know, blatant untruth of it is, is that the lullaby sort of matters as lullaby, right? Like it, it doesn't, it's, it matters. Um, it matters as ritual. You know, it matters. It matters as routine, and also as a kind of tender moment between uh, between a parent and Uncle Jesse, uh, or a child and Uncle Jesse, I should say. Though you know, Full House had many tender moments between pen- parents and Uncle Jesse, um, as well. Right? Like uh, it's the idea that it's done the same way every night. It it's a just so story. Uh, a little bit and and actually like if you do if you're if bedtime stories are your thing um the bedtime you know uh the bedtime stories uh are you know are just so stories i once was corrected by a five-year-old because i i misspoke a word i said like you know i don't know the dog ran quickly or something and it was like no the dog ran fast and i looked down at the book and that i was kind of like skimming over automatically and it was like oh yeah that's right (laughs) you got well actually the dog ran fast you know, good for you. And I realized that I had, you know, I had disrupted, uh, you know, I don't know. I had disrupted the routine when, when I see the media depictions of, um, parents, you know, putting a fussing baby to sleep, it's usually a commercial for something, uh, because they're capitalizing on, you know, both the anxiety about parenting and also the, like the unpleasantness of that experience to sell you a solution, uh, to sell you a solution to it. So I guess that's like, that's what comes to mind in terms of Pete, the kind of like depiction you're talking about in media. Interesting. And in that case, there's a reason to depict the problem because they are trying to offer you a solution to the problem or a solution to a related problem. Like, oh, you, you're a parent, you're working hard, you deserve a paper towel that will pick up all the stuff that falls on your table. Oh, yeah. You know a commercial that this, this calls to mind? I don't know which type of car it was for, but it was definitely a car commercial. Oh, it was a Hyundai. Right? Yep. Wasn't yeah. it a Hyundai? Where, where the, the, the child is like, you know, this, this is a common trope in parenting is that like, you know, the child will only fall asleep with the car. Um, and you know, like they, they, parents will like, you know, sleep deprived parents will put their kids into the car seat, into the car and like drive around the block 
get the kids to sleep. But there was like some extension beyond that, though. But it was definitely uh, feeding off of that particular anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pete, to, to answer your question earlier about the, the lullaby piece of it, you know, so I co-sign everything that Matt um, said about routine and, um, you know, uh, creating a sense of predictability and, and the tender moments, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm all on board with that. Uh, I just wanted to, sh- to to share that, like, before entering into this experience, um, you know, I, I was aware of all these things of an abstract. But then, like, once you're in it, you're like, oh, this actually works. Like, singing a song will help calm a child and put her to sleep. Fascinating. Um, anyway, I did, did want to share, though, that um, our choice of lullaby is Edelweiss from The Sound of Music. Hmm. Because my wife loves The Sound of Music. It is her Terminator. Uh, such as you will. Um, in so far as yes, also cyborgs uh, kill Nazis and, um, and and sing songs in the Alps uh, in, in a version of the Sound of Music. No, that doesn't actually happen. Um, but yeah, uh, we settled on Edelweiss is the song that we always sing to put our child to sleep. Um, and uh, I would like to think that that makes me a little bit of Captain Von Trapp. <laughs> also, General 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 Kang, um, also played by Christopher Plummer in, in Star Trek Six. So it really uh, that that choice of song just really checks off a lot of boxes for us in this family. I'm pretty proud of that. I find it really interesting. I find the 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 nesting interesting, pun intended, between the notion that the child reti- requires a cultural imprint or an experiential sort of social imprint of what a routine is so that their natural faculties, which are predisposed to routine, can key into it, right? Like the child's body wants the routine in the long run, but the child doesn't know what routine is. And the culture helps impress upon the child the idea of the routine by introducing concepts like the bedtime story or the lullaby, along with the notion of uh, commercial habituating the purchase of a particular brand of paper towels, right? Is, is that like the soothingness of the imprintation of the culture on the person uh, is, is habit is, is habit forming and comfort forming and builds into structures that are sort of pre-existing because it's not like you don't have spills in your house, but, but at the same so at the same time like you need a paper towel. It's not like you don't need a paper towel, but you do you need this paper towel. Um, I right? use like, uh, I use bamboo towels, Pete. They're uh, renewable, and you know bamboo isn't even a plant. Bamboo is not a plant. What is bamboo now? Is yeah, it no, a, it's is, like a it's like a magical, sustainable, um, you know, uh, effluvium. I, I think of it primarily as panda food, right? <laughs> and everything else is secondary. Panda food and flooring; those are the two things that it's good for. And and also, it's used for fighting in the House of Flying Daggers and various other other films. But okay, okay, so. So you're trying to put the kid to bed. Do you think the kid is now going to grow up with a fondness for the sound of music? Do you think that that the kid is going to discover at some point in the future the sound of music, having not seen it, and be shocked to find the context of the lullaby that they were saying as a baby? Uh, or do you think? I mean, it makes it makes sense that maybe your wife will show the the movie sooner than. Have, let me say this: Has your baby watched The Sound of Music more than twice yet? Because <laughs> this is where else. <laughs> not yet, no. And we're really looking forward to that moment, right? And to. Uh, to see like if uh what sort of you know mental wiring uh occurs in that moment right like if uh you know years at that point it'll be what i don't know three four years of having been sung that song uh, to go to sleep every night and then all of a sudden to see it and understand some sort of context for it um uh i, I can't wait to find out what that's going to be like and I'm, you'll, you'll hear about it on this podcast if we're so lucky to still be doing this three, four years from now <laughs> 
Oh, excellent. excellent. I mean, Matt, is there something you remember from your childhood that was self that was soothing to you to help you go to sleep that you then encountered later in life and understood in like a different context or a similar context? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, God. God bless my long suffering mother. She um, is not what you'd call a, a great singer. I mean, that is to say, you know, we're all musicians and, you know, we understand certain things about pitch and intonation and rhythm and, and uh, things like this and and uh i'm not sure anyone would 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 ever pay to hear uh to hear my mom sing but she has a uh she had a great um she had a great sequence a great like set list you know of uh of let me call you sweetheart the the song from the early 20th century i think bing crosby recorded it um and alexander's ragtime band uh, in which she would like exaggerate the kind of the effects of the instruments and, and Alexander's ragtime band. And, you know, I can just, I can tell you that, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not, I haven't sought out those songs in later life because, um, I haven't sought out those songs because I, I kind of don't want to ruin the memory. I'm always surprised when I, when I find one, um, uh, especially, especially to hear its actual melody, and it's been, oh, that's how that's supposed to go, um, rather than the kind of the house rules uh, versions that that we did, you know. Um, but that, but that, like, uh, I I have such fun as a you know thirty nine year old man, like however however many thirty five years later, right? I I have such fond memories, and I can sort of. Uh, think back, you know, think back to that. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the, it, it doesn't have to do with the song. The song is a, um, uh, is a metonymy, right? Like the song is a, uh, stands in for the idea of the presence of a kind of a tuned caregiver, you know, and, and for, not to, not to kind of yank it, uh, out of the, realm of of you know parenting infants but i i I think that that's something that i think that that's something that you lose at some point in your life when you start you know sleeping alone in in your uh in your adult life right and and yeah in uh, your mansion with the old garden that nobody goes to anymore right (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly close the windows (laughs) no light in here none (laughs) sorry go for it um that like you know, and then like it's sort of one one of the things you know. If you've ever had, had the breakup of a of a very long relationship, like one of the things that y- you miss. I mean, a long relationship where you cohabitated to the point where you would like go to bed together. Um, I mean, go to sleep together is what I mean by that. Like um, one of the one of the hardest things about it is you know missing. Uh, that person at bedtime because the kind of the soothing uh, effect of like having having another um, having another person around having having a routine and also kind of feeling like there's a kind of warm attentive uh, empathic you know responsive person who cares about you nearby is very um, you know is very good if you're if you're me and and uh, you know, live alone at the moment. The the uh, the it's a harder um, it, it's a harder thing because you're sort of left alone with your own thoughts and and you know with with the exception of like I don't know with the, with the exception of really enlightened people like you are never good company. 
know, your own your own thoughts are never your own thoughts are like, hey, let me ruminate on the day. That's a recipe for for drifting off. Um, yeah. So it's a uh, it's it's a bit of a conundrum of the kind of the provision of that internal sense of of uh, the provision of that sort of internal sense of of care. It's funny that like there there is like a. Uh, contemporary technology enabled discourse on sleep where we're supposed to like use a Fitbit or something, you know, and, and, um, and are supposed to kind of make it happen that way. Um, you know, by, by like the application of big, of big data to the problem, um, which actually like, I think gamifying sleep might cause even more anxiety. Than, <laughs> uh, Cause like, what if your score is not good, um, is not good on a particular night, but, but there, there is also this sort of sense in which like, Oh, this is, this is like the healthy thing. Like, you know, I don't know, not sleeping is the new smoking or, or something though. I thought standing, I thought sitting was the new smoking and we all had to have standing desks. Now we get to have sleeping desks though, which I'm, uh, you know, I'm completely in favor of. And that's, um, you know, I, so like I, the the thing, rather than kind of the application of the application of technology, I think like sort of the application of ritual like has been the much more uh, the much more successful um, strategy for me, and not uh, you know not falling not falling asleep or, or not not you know staying up and being uh, an insomniac all the time, and. Um, you know, uh, falling asleep. And then when you get to be an old man, you get up cause you have to pee and then you can't fall back to sleep. So that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing that your son has to look forward to Mark. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. Um, so speaking of ritual, right? Like, uh, I guess we're kind of you're pivoting to um, adults falling asleep or failing to be able to fall asleep, right? All sorts of rituals have been disrupted by technology. And to the point where like technology is the ritual itself. Right. I mean, like, Let's be honest here. How many of us are like checking our phones, scrolling through our stupid social media feeds before, we're, uh, um, like, as the last thing, conscious thing we do before we quote unquote try to fall to sleep? Which uh-huh. is great. Which yeah. put, puts yeah. you in a great headspace. Oh, you know? totally. Yeah. Really, really soothes and calms. Yeah. Just like that advice. No, it's quite the opposite, actually. Um, that that is you know, that that's sort of all this like these tragedies keep coming around like where the the technology um, is this new ritual that prevents us from falling asleep and then like checking the technology in the morning their your Fitbit Fitbit did she see your sleep score is a is a is a new ritual that uh, ostensibly is there to help you fall asleep but as you said Matt before it can help actually feed anxiety um, what is the cyber dystopic hellhole sleepless hellhole that we have created for ourselves. <laughs> You know, this uh, here's an idea if anybody ever wants to use this who's listening. What I want why don't social media platforms take into account any having any sort of rhythm in your day? And I will say they do, right? Like like something even something like Netflix will change its recommendations to you over the course of a day. But one of the things that really struck me the last time I left the country, we talked about this in our in our travel podcast recently was the rhythm of waking up, eating, working, resting, sleeping, right, that you experience differently when you go to a place where the calendar is generally different. Uh, and then it, you sort of can challenge you to think, well, how do I do this in my own life? It's interesting to think that I don't, I don't think any of my sort of media interactive systems now account for wanting to do different things at different times of day. And that's a big change, 
right? Like, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, and the day being, I'm thinking about like the, you know, the late nineties at this point, Jesus, it's like you wake up and, Oh, it's sports center. Right. And you watch sports center, uh, while you're eating breakfast and then you go out to the bus and maybe you talk about having watched Frasier the previous night or something along those lines. And then you don't encounter media for a while, Right. And then maybe you take lunch and you talk about media with some other people and then you take another break and then you go home and then you watch TV or play video games. And that that is a media that's a sort of circadian media environment that I perhaps was somewhat taken for granted for a long time. Well, first of all, as, as something explicitly bad, right? Like, like as in, oh, the kids are going home and they're watching TV. The catastrophizing is always the easiest response, but rarely the most informative. The idea of like, well, it's bad. Well, but what is it really doing, right? And I even want to say, is there a word we can use other than technology to refer to what is going on with regards to the interaction between culture and entertainment and sleep? And part of it seems to be, at least from my perspective, the collapse of the day as a unit seems to be something that I'm experiencing personally and and maybe have for a while. And I wonder if that's something that resonates with you guys or if you can think of some other sort of angle that these levers uh, of, you know, I mean, obviously it's pop culture, it's culture, however you're consuming it. uh, But what they're doing for your Maybe basically how they're unsleep training you is, is basically <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't yeah, know. No, my I mean, my I, mind is spinning at these I ideas. Think that, right I think now. that's right. And there are things like um, you know there are things like autoplay. You know that uh, <laughs> uh, that um, kind of militate against a uh, you know a kind of gradual well militate against you kind of creating any kind of decent boundaries you know and and intentional action there there are times and we talked about this a little bit in our like in our big data podcast about like where you know the insights of of behavioral psychology are to a certain extent weaponized to uh, you know make you act uh, as though autonomously in the uh, in the interest of you know whatever the the company is that's that's mobilizing the big data i i will say pete social media platforms are very uh aware of like day mm-hmm. parts and stuff if you've ever bought media on facebook um, if you have ever bought advertising, you can target a time of day, like um, time of day targeting for page posts for marketers, right, is like something that yeah, uh, sure. was a tool. Like, so, so they are actually aware of it. They're just not interested in they, – they have no particular need to, to use it in your interest or what you would maybe define in you, as your interest, you know, given your, given your druthers. Um, but it is, you know, it is kind of always, it is always operating. And the, the great machine learning algorithm in the sky is always like, uh, you know, making that, making that data, uh, making that data dance, you know. So are you guys aware, um, this was maybe a couple of years ago, uh, the Netflix CEO is quoted as saying, um, sleep is our competition, right? And we were talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, the, how Pete, he said that the day, you know, the, the day has collapsed as a unit, we're being unsleep trained um, with, you know, with the autoplay and algorithms and things like that. Um, I mean, what we're uh, another way to look at this is right. There is an increasing number of media companies that are vying for our eyeballs and there are a finite number of hours in the day and, you know, screen real estate, you know, people's faces are, are buried in the phone or, you know, on the TV or on the computer. Um, and you just like kind of like try to grab that piece of the pie and the pie uh, doesn't, 
grow only, you know, if you're assuming that people still need to sleep seven or so hours a day. Well, it's like, well, <laughs> it seems to have the direction that's some subtly implied there is like, well, what if we change that a little bit? Right. Just like, you know, you went to used to uh, uh, go to bed after, you know, what uh, the, the late show right after after Leno. Um, and that would be your signal. It's time to go to bed. Um, well, screw that. Right. Just uh, keep binging. Um, whatever stuff that we're, we're throwing at you, throwing at right. you. I, I'm sure, like that was I'm sure that was said in, in you know slightly tongue in cheek and in, in jest that the sleep is competition, but there is actually a dark truth to that, which I find kind of frightening. I mean, it, it has to do with soothing too, right? This idea that the the media that you're interacting with and the culture that you're interacting with, because I, I do want to keep thinking about it, not just as a business plan, but as the culture that we all live with and participate with and interact with, that it's there to provide a form of soothing even or, or, or sort of, you know, sort of maladaptive aggravation that, you know, is the opposite of soothing, but that can definitely be sought out in various sorts of cyclical negative ways over time at any point that you want. And, in doing so, it, it is sort of like the 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 idea of like uh, it's 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 a lullaby, right? But it's it's um if the idea behind the lullaby is not that the song makes the baby go to sleep, but that the song teaches the baby that it's time to go to sleep by providing a sort of soothing experience around this sort of time of night. Then the idea that the like what would happen if a parent came into the kid's room while the kid was asleep and then just started singing lullabies until they woke up. Uh, right. Like, like that's sort of an interesting proposition when you're thinking about the sort of soothing and the causality of the relationship between culture and sleep. If like, well, you know, what if I if I don't go to sleep during this lullaby, there'll be another lullaby that's even better. Or like and then if I wait, I think there's another episode of Full House where Michelle becomes convinced that everybody is doing fun things when she goes to bed early and she doesn't want to go to bed early. And then uh, through a series of bizarre happenstance, a bunch of stuff goes on, which is what happens in these sorts of shows, that she comes down in the middle of the night and there's like a pony in the living room in like circus garb. And it's like, I knew you guys were doing fun stuff when I was in the room. <laughs> All right. Um, and so what I'm thinking is like, the. F- I, I think of Matt, you told me one time um, that you had encountered some sort of I don't know whether it was an article or an interview where they refer to the smartphone as like a pet, like the touching of the screen of the smartphone is like petting a pet and has a similar sort of relationship. And people seek it out when they're seeking soothing in various ways. Oh, I mean, um, that's, that's interesting. Is that true? Did I say that? That sounds really maybe. that sounds really interesting. I've, I'm, I'll take credit for that. Yeah. You know? And just I'm just I'm just interested in this idea that you might think. And, and I've experienced this, too, because I use my phone to try to go to sleep, and I'm only now realizing how bad it is at doing that. Uh, I mean, the story for me was that, oh, gosh, was it at this point? It was like eight years ago. Um, I had a death of someone close to me, and every once in a while I go into very, very bad insomnia. And you guys know this about me, that I have problems sleeping. I have very bad problems sleeping almost all the time. But every once in a while when something really bad happens, I don't sleep for weeks uh, or months. And so I got into the habit the last time that this happened a bunch of years ago of watching YouTube videos in order to go to sleep. And I still do this like every day. And uh, at the time, it was one of the only things that really calmed me down. And I've talked about it on the podcast before as something that calms me down and that I feel is necessary. But like in retrospect, it's not really accomplishing what the lullaby is supposed to accomplish, which is to let you know that it's time for sleep. 
not just to soothe you and make you feel less anxious, but to also mark a fence post in your circadian rhythm, right? That says like, okay, you're being soothed because it's bedtime. And and you're supposed to recognize that sort of mark. And so while the kind of raging uh, anxiety and panic that will prevent sleep can be mollified by this sort of soothing on demand, it doesn't set that same fence post at bedtime. And I think that if you're seeking out a kind of pop culture solution to a, you know, uh, what what kind of problem is it? A uh, uh, gosh, a, a Physi- bleary phys- eyed physiological and, problem, or like, yeah, exactly. a, you know, <laughs> you're seeking out something cooler than Edelweiss, if such yeah. a thing is even possible, right? Uh, to be your lullaby, it's worth keeping in mind what whether the culture identifies to you, the experience of the culture identifies to you that it is bedtime, and whether it has some sort of contrary action that defies the machinery of your body in identifying a circadian rhythm, right? Like, like it is better to read a book than to watch a video. It is better to watch a video on, you know, redshift than on blue shift, right? Like, because, because you're trying to get something that your body can hook into and appreciate while you're trying to go to sleep. That's actually, I mean, I, I've heard that the, the blue light, orange light thing is, is largely a myth, except in that it creates a habit, right? Uh. Um, that, you know, if you come to associate, if you come to associate wearing your like gunner glasses, you know, your like blue blocker glasses with, with bedtime, then it is, uh, it can be useful in, in kind of signaling, signaling to your body that it's bedtime and kind of starting wow. the, you know, starting the, the, the ritual. But there's, I mean, there's more with, with kids. It's not just the physiological thing. It's managing, it's managing the separation, right? Like sleep, sleep for a child is a huge separation and big dislocation in their day, especially when they're used to having, you know, a caregiver more or less on call all the time, you know, and, and this is sort of more true when, when kids are really young or, or depending on the style of parent, um, you know, that, that you are or had, uh, right. Like the, 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 um, routine creates, creates the ability to, to sort of let go, um, to let go of the anxiety about like, who's going to take care of me, who's going to tend to my needs, you know, in times of, uh, in times of real helplessness, like infancy. And, um, you know, you have, you, you know, I, one thing that can happen, I'm not sure, you know, what the story is with any particular person, but one thing that can happen is that, uh, even in adulthood, right? Like that flavor of anxiety can sort of, can, uh, can sort of come up and like, you know, the, I don't know, the loss of a, the loss of a beloved family member is the perfect, uh, is the perfect example is the perfect thing to kind of, to weaponize bedtime against you because the, the separation from consciousness, you know, kind of rhymes with the, the separation of, um, with the separation of kind of losing someone. And that's, you know, just frankly terrifying on some, some, sort of uh primal psychological level i mean it's you know i'm i'm not the the first person to compare like sleep with death or a kind of fear of sleep being related to a fear of death i think shakespeare uh in in macbeth i think there's a the the what is it sleep that knits up the raveled sleeve of care etc 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 uh the death of each day's life is that the yeah the death the death of each day's life right and that's um a rough uh you know it's a rough thing to um 
face, frankly, the death of each day's life. It doesn't sound pleasant. That's interesting to think about the role of the culture that you experience when you're trying to go to sleep as a performance of the notion that you're not falling asleep alone. Yeah. Like the sleep. Does you guys ever use the sleep function on like the TV or the radio? I never knew what that was for so many years. <laughs> I didn't because you push. You would think if there's a button called sleep on the TV, you would push it. The TV would go to sleep. But nope. that is not what it does. Nope. You push <laughs> the button. The well, push yeah. the button well. and you go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I do it. I do it with podcasts now a lot of the time. Um, I do it with podcasts, podcasts, you know, <laughs> to, uh, to listen to people, to listen to people talking. And like, there is a perfect, there is a good kind of flavor of podcast for, for this sort of thing. And it, it is, you know, um, it like, it has is it this kind of podcast. Uh, <laughs> is it the overthinking at ASMR cast that we're starting next week, which is just me opening opening up Snickers wrappers and slowly eating the Snickers into the microphone? We're going to no. We brought. I mean, we brought uh, one of the big things about ASMR is that it's in stereo for your so that it like goes around your your oh, ears. You know, so I need like, two Snickers wrappers. Yeah, exactly. Guys. We only uh, we actually only send this show out in mono. <laughs> we oh. smush it. We smush it down to mono. Um, so would you describe the show as mono a mono? Is that <laughs> <laughs> it is a uh, it is mono mono a mono, uh, <laughs> but the um th- right there there is a particular kind of tone and like level of discourse that that is to me useful to um that is to me useful to uh, falling asleep and like cable news would be right out anything like mid rangey anything with that. <laughs> If you if you ever listen if you can ever listen to cable news uh, without and f- find some way to make the words indistinct like go a couple rooms away or something like that you'll discover that the the way it's mixed and the way it's compressed creates this like kind of sound like that just drills into your uh, drills into your ear um, and like but but like just the the nor- just the kind of a, a soothing conversation among among friends you know people you like kind of smart funny friends from the internet and like uh hey wait a minute maybe we are the right kind of podcast to go to sleep to we just got to not say yeah 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 on the podcast and we'll be oh, all set that's okay yeah hey if, if you actually do listen to this podcast to help you put you to sleep i would love to hear from you in the in the comments of this like write about that experience and then do you do what i do in the podcast that i like and that i use to to help me go to sleep and like rewind the sleep timer 15 minutes uh in the morning and listen again to the to the show uh that you know that i listened to and missed with a kind of uncanny recognition of some of it because i was aware of it on some level even though i may not have been uh i may not have been fully conscious would love to hear. As, as as if you sat down and watched the sound of music for the first time after having being a uh, song being sung to you every night for three years in a row yeah that's uh wow. That's true. Well, guys, I'm 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 pretty tired. It might be might be time for us to uh, to hit the sack. You know, put this podcast Ow. to bed. Let's yeah, <laughs> let's let's put this one. Yeah, let's put this one to bed. All right, all together now, guys. Edelweiss, Edelweiss, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Overthinking and Podcast. Thank you, Pete and Mark, for podcasting with us. We'll be back next week with more Overthinking and Podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com. 
where we subject the popular culture and your circadian rhythms to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. That's what happens when you open your playbill and you find that in tonight's performance of The Sound and Music, the role of Captain Von Trapp and Maria Von Trapp will be played by Harvey Fierstein. He's so versatile. 